Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Dalton Daldon, joined by our friend Jerry Donabedian from Rotowire. He writes a must-read hidden stat line column in season. He's a strong XM guest. He's a good Twitter follow. Jerry, uh, thanks for joining us. And how's it going, man? Uh, it's going good. You know, as good, good as things can be. Um, you know, football season definitely giving me something big to be looking forward to. Yeah, man, I'm excited to talk some football with you. Um, we're going to talk big picture strategy, draft strategy, um, some ADPs. Um, of course, talk some Ravens with you. You're a Baltimore guy. Briefly, let's run some headlines. Aside from me acquiring a puppy, a French bulldog, uh, yesterday, so my kids are super excited. That's brand new. The first night with a puppy last night. So not running on full sleep, but uh, Kenny Galladay was cleared, which is good news. Albert Wilson has opted out. Joining Alan Hearns, not you know, not any earth-shattering news here. Isaiah Ford now maybe on the fantasy radar. What more? More targets maybe for Matt Breida. Gasecki was going to maybe run in the slot anyway. Any any added thoughts you have on the Dolphins situation yeah I'm actually you know I'm a big Albert Wilson fan but I think you know in terms of like newsworthiness the French Bulldog is definitely more exciting than the Dolphins losing their slot receiver uh but it is it's a little more interesting because Hearns also opted out so now it's just kind of like you got this numbers game where okay Devontae Parker he's gonna get fed Preston Williams he's only nine months ten months back from an ACL tear Uh, if he's healthy he'll be out there because who else is gonna be out there but yeah, you look at maybe someone like Isaiah Ford or Jakeem Grant getting more involved. Like, I don't think that you're necessarily going to want to draft them in a standard league. But like you said, Breda, Gusecki might just have to be leaned on a little more in the passing game. Uh, and then, of course, they'll now be rumored for like, you know, your Josh Gordon, your Antonio Brown, uh, Des Bryant. He's still out there. So I don't know if they'll actually end up signing one of those guys. Like where they are as a team, it might not really make sense to sign an older guy. Uh, but they'll they'll have to bring in some kind of body. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, like I said, not not any huge headlines today. But all right, I want to talk more. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think it's pronounced. I mean, that kind of ruins the Fresh Prince of Hilaire nickname, if that's true. But either way, C E H, a guy I've been high. I know that. Yes, listen, I haven't been able to host this podcast until midweek, so you have to wait now. I'm a guy who's had him top ten on my overall list uh, all summer long. And then I have to listen to guys like you tweeting out, calling me clowns, who's been getting him late round two and early third looking smart. See, I have the reverse problem here. I was prescient. I had the, the gift of foresight ahead, and now I get no credit because now it's just whatever. A guy, Damian Williams, come on. He hadn't had more than 50 carries in his career before last season. 
CEH was going to eat all along. But go ahead now. And uh, where do you stand now? Well, this really, I mean, this really didn't work out for either of us because now you get no credit. When he goes off and has a big season, you get no credit because I was like, oh, well, everyone wants Damien retired. That's the only reason. And then I'm out here saying that people were fools for drafting him in the third round. And it's like, well, now, even if, you know, I I'm, will never, I'll never find out if I'm right. I'm just going to be wrong. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was definitely, um, you know, I saw some like analysis that like, oh, you know, Damien wasn't that big of a deal. The thing wasn't that big a deal. Cause like Edward Solaire was just gonna, you know, he was going to dominate anyway, which may be true. I don't know. I, I'm a little more skeptical of rookies than usual, just because of this whole, like no off season program and like, training camp is just like two weeks so i think it again for a running back like not as big of a deal as it is for a wide receiver tight end um but you know i mean i thought it was a big deal like i think damian williams is a solid player uh, i don't think he's a great he doesn't have like the upside as a runner that edward solaire has uh but he's he's really good in the passing game he's good with blocking he knows the andy Reid offense very well uh so you know i think it was going to be like a 50 50 split at least early on um, so, you know, I was, I was viewing Edward Slayer as probably being overdrafted by like five to 10 picks. Now I still, I have to update my rankings, but I still, I had him at RB 17 before. So it wasn't like I was, you know, saying, you know, avoid this guy at all costs. Like I still had him basically as like a third round grade. Um, yeah, but, you wouldn't have got him in the big money NFFC leagues though. Um, no, that ranking. no. Of, course, yeah. of course I'm joking about my, my certainty about if that was going to be right. I mean, Damian Williams could have been you know, the MVP of the Super Bowl and he's, he's really good player when he is on the field. Um, and the rookie uncertainty this year with the truncated, uh, you know, weird preseason and all that. And I'm going to talk out of what, well, one thing, the reason I like CH is because that offense is just going to lead the NFL in scoring or be, you know, right there. And um, there's so many question marks with those running backs. I don't want to, you know, go through each one, but you're all the way up to your number 17. I'm telling you, round two, they immediately become question marks. I think that are on par with that without the upside. Now I'm going to talk both sides of my mouth here and I'm going to say, DeAndre Washington now is suddenly right behind Latavius Murray is my my favorite uh, you know backup running back the upside guy to get later. I, I I do feel like he's the clear guy to grab now, and with that upside, he's just basically Damian Williams, just way way cheaper in drafts. Do you think that's that's off base? No, I mean I'm a hundred percent with you. I'm actually working. I'll finish it up uh, this week on an ADP article, kind of looking at some of the shifts that have happened since we had these, you know, these few opt outs and LaShawn McCoy signing a few of the things that happened last week. Uh, and DeAndre Washington, he's still only going at like 170, 180. I'm like, that's like, you know, that's basically like an end game. Just like other guys are going that at range, like Raquel Armstead, Chris Thompson, uh, you know, is like going a little bit ahead of Giovanni Bernard, like basically guys that we like don't ever think about. So yeah, I think, and meanwhile, Edwards Lair is now at number seven overall, sixth among running backs. He's like ahead of, he's actually ahead of Henry and Mixon, which is, I was surprised when I saw that. I thought he would like fall in slightly behind Henry and Mixon and like ahead of like all the Chubb and Jones type guys. But now he like jetted in those first few days, jetted ahead of them. So I think to me now, I'm like, Washington is the value. Granted, like, you know, based on his contract, he might not even be guaranteed a roster spot. But if he does get that number two job, like he'll be mixing in, getting some touches, and then he'll be one injury away from like this job where, you know, Damian Williams became kind of a star. Definitely. And by the way, I'm the crazy person who has Edwards Hilaire uh, fourth overall. Uh, I am the person who's going to be nuts and drafting him after the the big three. So um, you okay. have him... So- you have him ahead I'll of... take him over Kamara, man. I'll take him over Kamara. Okay, take him over I'm Kamara. Drafting Latavia- okay. 
I'm targeting Latavius Murray in round eight or nine in every draft. I shouldn't even say that because I, I think that, yeah, yeah, that's that's my strategy there. And uh, yeah, I'm going to take him over Kamara. I'm, I actually love Derrick Henry. And if it's a half point PPR, then I would probably take Henry. I, I'm, I'm not worried about the TD regression as much as others. I think we could be looking at a special season there. But in full PPR, Andy Reid's system, that, dude, Mahomes wasn't even healthy for most of last year. Look what he was doing in September. We're looking at like the best football player ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm closer to putting Edwards Hilaire number one than I am number five. Uh, wow. I, but okay. again, that's wow. that's certainly risky. I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm a crazy man. I my ADP is far different than the than the industry this year. But um, let's talk draft strategy just in general. I, I've been going running back heavy. Obviously, that's not a stretch. Uh, zero RB. Uh, not employed nearly as much these years, but I, I've been drafting the NFFC leagues, the, the Rotowire online championships, four straight running backs, and you can only start three of them. I mean, this is not a best ball format. I've been doing right. that uh, routinely. Um, I just think uh, then you don't have to, you know, grab the, the later one. You don't have to spend as much capital on that position later if you do that. So hard to replace. Um, what are your general thoughts on, on just draft strategy this year? I mean, you're a, a Baltimore guy. So you're taking Lamar Jackson, um, uh, zero RB. Uh, thoughts just in general on draft strategy, Jerry. I'll take Jackson in to start, just to start with that. I'll talk, I'll take Jackson in round three, which means I'm not usually, I've done a lot of best ball drafts so far. Um, and I'm, you know, the strategy there is a little bit different. Um, I'll take Jackson in round three or Mahomes like late round three or early round four, but they don't usually drop there. So, you know, I think I have them ranked right about where they are based on ADP. Um, in terms of like, in terms of best ball, I will, I'll get on board with zero RB. Like I don't, I don't necessarily like come out of the gate targeting it right like if i get a top four pick i just take you know the guys that i consider layups um and i really i like derrick henry i like mixon i like drake i like eckler so i usually the only time i usually don't end up with a running back through the first two rounds is like if i go like michael thomas and then like maybe george kittle on the way back and then i kind of from there let it fall like a lot of times you kind of mentioned like with, you know, some of those guys you get into that round three, round four, round five running back range, you don't really trust them. You know, whether it's like Levian Bell, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, um, you know, then I might end up zero RB, but it's not necessarily something that I am thinking about ahead of time. But if I see I'm in that like number six pick, I'm like, I might end up doing like Michael Thomas and then a tight end and then a bunch of wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah, because you go all in that way. That's okay. I, I got that. But say non-best ball, and this is actually specifically what I wanted to ask you. I saw you put out your top 10. Why are people taking Michael Thomas over Mixon and Henry? It's the number one common fantasy mistake, I feel like, is just drafting based off last year's numbers. I mean, Michael Thomas had, what, 300 targets last year and still didn't score 10 touchdowns. They added Emmanuel Sanders. Drew Brees is old. Jared Cook didn't get going until the second half last year. You're just drafting him off his peak. I mean, I have Devontae Adams ahead of him just because I think, you know, the, the situation is better moving forward. Michael Thomas, fantastic player. Awesome. But the replacement level is just so much easier. Wide receiver, it's so deep. I just, I can't even fathom taking a receiver over a, a lead back right now and in today's environment. To me, it, it's crazy, no matter how impressive Michael Thomas's catch rate was last year. Yeah, I can I can get behind zero RB in best ball, but it's like, I don't want to say I would never do it in like a regular 12-team league where I have to set a lineup every week, but I never really do find myself doing it. Like, I, you know, I think I would kind of, to what you said, in full PPR, like... I think it's tough for me when I'm looking at Henry versus Thomas, but sure. you make it half PPR, then I'm like, okay, definitely Henry. You make it, you know, no PPR, then I'm putting, you know, Henry Mixon, 
um, probably one or two other guys ahead of Thomas. Because, yeah, it's, it's just hard. Um, and, you know, with running backs, it's like if you end up, based on my past experience in fantasy leagues, it's like if I end up with, like, a stockpile of wide receivers and I need an RB2, that's, like, such a harder trade to make than if you're the guy who has extra running backs. Like, you don't even have to make the trades. Like, people notice, like, ooh, that guy. He's got running backs. Everyone, you know, there's going to be half the teams in your league are probably going to need a running back by week six. Um, I just find that it's easier to, if that ends up being your I have too many guys position, it is easier to swing a trade than if you have too many receivers or you have like an extra tight end, uh, something like that. For sure. And if I hit on three of those four running backs I'm taking in the first four rounds, I'm happy. I mean, there's so many misses, as is all positions, but totally, once you have, when you have excess running backs, uh, the trades will come to you. So I will, I will say that I, my one player that I would consider that's not, not a running back in the first three rounds, I just came out with the column talking my tight end ADPs, is my guy George Kittle. You could consider me maybe a homer, no problem, but... Um, I feel like he could, even though tight end, I do think is, is deep. I mean, there's so many intriguing, interesting young options late. Kittle could be the one guy who like just totally separates himself from, from the position, unlike a wide receiver. Um, I mean, where do you want me to start? He was fourth in target share last year. Uh, most 20 plus yard catches in the NFL last two seasons among all players. He was number one in yards per route run last year. Number one in racer, uh, including wide receivers. Um, I get the volume argument. But Jimmy G was seventh in red zone attempts last year, second year returning from ACL. You know, Matt Ryan won the MVP last time that happened with Kyle Shanahan's system. Uh, the schedule, uh, Scott Barrett's has the Niners uh, tight ends like third best. Um, Debo's now out. Can't, why can't Kittle? Kittle, by the way, had the same amount of touchdowns as Kelsey last year, and he missed three games, and he led the NFL in nullified TDs. He had three called back. So why can't Kittle be 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns, which is like, you know, 1,818 with wide receiver. Why can't he be, war, you know, a top 12 pick overall? Yeah, I mean, you're preaching the choir here. I'm like, I've, I love, in terms of like my, uh, like, portfolio right now, I think I have like Kittle 30% drafted and Kelsey 25% drafted. So I'm like, and I also draft Andrews a lot. Um, now, this is in best ball, and I do think in best ball that the premium tight ends are worth a little more um, than they are, like, relative to a standard league. So, you know, I think as... I start doing more normal drafts that I think that percentage will go down a little bit. But yeah, I mean, Kittle was, he was ridiculous last year. And you look at, he missed two games. Uh, they, the 49ers only threw the ball like 30 times per game. And, you know, I mean, there's still going to be a team that runs the ball a lot, but I think you're just going to see a little probably regression to the mean in terms of how good their defense is. Right. I'm not saying it's not going to, I'm not saying it's not going to be good again. Like I think it's going to be really good, but it's probably going to be not quite as good. And the yards per carry, still going to be good, I bet, but probably not quite as good. So I think they're just going to be in a, you know, they're going to have to throw a little more. They're probably going to be missing Debo, assuming the season starts on time. They're probably missing Debo for a week or two. He might be limited snap share. So you look at, like, the wide receivers, it's like if Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne are out there, uh, you know, I think Kittle, his target share is 25% last year, which I think was highest or second highest for a tight end. Um, the fourth, I mean, the only that were higher were the big three. It was like Johnny Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and Adams or something. Right, right? That's right. it. Yeah. And then, so it could, you know, it could even go beyond that. It could be you know, 20. I don't, I don't, I think 30% for a tight end would be like totally unprecedented. But I mean, hey, on that team with his talent, 27, 28% um, of what could be a slightly bigger pie. So yeah, like I, you know, I think my favorite draft strategy is running back round one, tight end round two. And then just like hammer wide receiver. 
Um, I'm not as concerned with having quantity at running back, but I do think like I'm okay if, you know, my RB2 spot, I end up rotating guys or I end up with like, one thing I'll do is like, I'll just load up like Tariq Cohen, James White, if we're talking PPR, like, like those kind of guys who I think are maybe a little undervalued in PPR. Um, but yeah, I really, I like to take advantage of the fact that there's better depth at wide receiver and the fact that those, like those two guys, especially Kelsey and Kittle, they're so far ahead of the pack. Um, I think one thing people maybe avoid them because they're, you know, so sure that like they're, you know, late round, they're going to find the next Darren Waller, basically. And like, I love TJ Hawkinson. I like Mike Gusecki, but like I've missed on, I have those guys every year and like three out of four times they end up being a disappointment. Uh, so it's like, you know, it's fine to draft TJ Hawkinson, like whatever, I can take him 10 rounds later, but I shouldn't like not draft George Kittle because I'm like, I worry that he's blocking TJ Hawkinson or Mike Kosicki from a starting spot. Yeah, to finish the draft strategy talk, I'm all in on just running back heavy, heavy. And uh, you pointed on it. One of the reasons I like that, you pointed out, is the is the wide wide receiver. Not only is it deep, but there's this gigantic tier in the middle rounds that I think are just just valued very differently among drafters, certainly my draft board. So um, it just works out well going that way. Back to the Niners real quick. Yes, the defense is definitely, I mean, it has to regress. I mean, uh, it's possible D4 stays healthy this time, but man, it's, defenses just do not simply stay that good year to year like offenses can. It's funny though, right when I finished writing that article, uh, the Niners signed Jordan Reed, so I get some snarky Twitter responses. Not only the best tight end in his own team, but uh, <laughs> you're not worried about Reed. Um, Reed stay healthy? I mean, is Reed now someone you would you would draft late in fantasy leagues? I mean, there's no other, I mean, there's no receivers on the 49ers. Debo, I mean, I hope he returns healthy, but a Jones fracture is no joke. I mean, that could affect him all year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I bumped. I was I've been a huge Debo fan, but I, I mean, I bumped him way down. That's just a, that's a tough injury to suffer in the summer, especially. Um, I I don't. I'm not going to be drafting Jordan Reed. I just think you know he's the, even if he can stay on the field, which is like the biggest even if that we could make for like any you know injury for yeah. an NFL player. I just. To a, a team supporting two like fantasy viable tight ends, it just doesn't. The Eagles did it kind of last year. Like you weren't super stoked to be starting Dallas Goddard. They kind of did it, but other than that, it just doesn't really happen. And you know, Reed is like a pass catching specialist, so I wonder. I don't like in their two tight end formations. I'm not sure that he would. Oh, like he might be sharing playing time with like Ross Dwelly or someone that we've never even heard of. Uh, type thing. So yeah, I don't. I don't think the targets would be there, but I do think it's a smart signing because, like, what if George Kittle gets hurt and then, like, you're the Niners. If you have no Kittle and no Debo, what are you putting on the field on third and seven? So that's where I think Jordan Reed has value to them as, like, a potential insurance policy for passing downs in case Kittle goes down. Yeah, and as good as Kittle is, as much as I love him, uh, man, injury risk for sure. Uh, he is a, He injured that that ankle ligament and I, I don't know I feel like there's eventually going to maybe need surgery he doesn't want it to to disrupt his offseason workouts and if you've seen pictures of him he looks like a monster and I see why but um he's definitely a greater risk than 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 others that would be taken that high I will say that but as far as injury but love Kittle I think a historic uh tight end season could be in store um have a Baltimore guy want to talk Ravens who I wish you know had made the Super Bowl last year in hindsight uh uh, maybe this year we can uh, we can see it. Uh, our two teams. Um, just a few few names I want to run by real quick. J.K. Dobbins. I've been a rookie guy. I've just been willing to take them higher than most. It's probably to my detriment in this shortened off season. But man, if Mark Ingram goes down, uh, this guy, this fit, this system, 
Um, am I crazy for taking Dobbins over the flat tires, uh, David Johnson's, Leonard Fournette's, Todd Gurley's, and I'm doing that uh, without hesitation? I've really, you know, I really haven't. I've been targeting the Ravens' passing game. Um, I'm just worried okay. that, well, Lamar Jackson is both the Ravens' passing game and running game, and I've been drafting him. So, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just worried like that. There's just so many mouths to feed, um, and I think, you know, Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards <laughs> will still he'll he'll still be around. Um, I don't know if Gus Edwards will still be around, but I think even if it's Jack, I mean, he'll, he will physically be around, but I don't know if he'll be like getting carries. <laughs> he might be playing special teams. Um, but even just like looking at, you know, I mean, the Ravens like running backs last year, they put up, like, if you look at the cumulative production, it was good, but it wasn't like top three in the league. It was like, cause you know, Jackson took almost 200 of the carries. Um, so, you know, it was four, it was basically 400 carries that the Ravens running backs accounted for. Um, and I, I worry that that'll be a little bit less this year just because some of that came in garbage time while well, a bunch of it came in garbage time because they kind of had that stretch of like 10 weeks where the Ravens were just kicking everyone's butt. And I was like, so sure. I was like, all right, this is it. Like, you know, Super Bowl. Like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was worried about the Chiefs the whole time. I was kind of, that was actually my thought was like the Chiefs are going to, you know, they were like the hype team last year. They're going to kind of disappoint during the regular season and get it together in the playoffs, kick the Ravens butt in the AFC Championship game. The next year, everyone's going to like, you know, the Ravens will be come back to earth, but then do the same thing. So that's what I'm banking on. Um, I still actually haven't watched the Ravens playoff loss to the Titans. I was like, yeah. I was traveling. I was in a hostel in Ecuador and just had like no way to, I tried to like stream it on my phone, but it just wasn't happening. And then after like, you know, I saw what happened. I just haven't been able to get myself to watch it. Um, but yeah, and if the to, Dolphins don't, and if the Dolphins don't upset the Patriots, it changes everything in Week 17, right? Kansas City uh, the, changes their seating all around. Like that, that just made everything uh, big. Yeah, what a yeah. I don't. Yeah, I haven't rewatched the Super Bowl either. So uh, I'm with you there. But yeah, you didn't even watch it when it happened. Maybe uh, yeah, that, that was a frustrating game for Ravens fans for sure. Yeah, I'll probably. I feel like I should just you know like you know doing what I do for work. I should probably watch it at some point. But um, I you know I might. We'll see. I'll probably delay it a little longer. But yeah, I just, I worry that there's like four, I think there's going to be like 350 to 400 running back carries there. And I just, I think it's going to be like a pretty even split, right? Like, I don't think you take J.K. Dobbins in the second round, especially a team that is like heavier into analytics, right? Which usually would suggest that you don't want to use earlier picks on running backs. Like, I think if they use that pick on that player, that they want to give him the ball. But at the same time, they kept Ingram under contract. Um, I actually had the thought when they drafted him, I wonder if they would cut Ingram to save a few million. Uh, but they, if they were going to do that, they would have already done it by now. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so yeah, just, I worry that we're going to be looking at each of them getting like 180 carries and 20 targets. Um, and I, I mean, I guess you'd say if they're putting up five yards per carry and, you know, the Ravens are living in the red zone the way they did last year. But I just... I, see, I don't see much ceiling without one of the two getting injured. Um, and then I think even if one of the two does get injured, then you're going to see like Gus Edwards getting like eight carries a game. Um, so I just think it's going to be a two spread out of a thing. I just don't. Like, I think like DeAndre Swift gives more upside actually than J.K. Dobbins. Okay. I actually have Swift higher. I agree with that. And Dobbins and PPR, he may not catch a lot. Those running quarterbacks don't throw it necessarily enough uh, as much to backs. Mark Ingram was insane. The amount of uh, TDs per receptions he had last year. Maybe you're right. Um, but man, I also think Dobbins is a threat to lead the NFL in yards per carry immediately in that system with those fresh legs. Um, 
main guy I actually want to talk about the Ravens is Hollywood. Could have used him in the headlines here because he's uh, he made the headlines for bulking up to 180. But those who have been paying attention, I mean, this has been a theme throughout summer. Um, I, he's been one of my favorite uh, targets in the middle rounds. I, I have him at wide receiver 16. I have a bet with uh, your Rotowire, uh, Chris Liss. Uh, versus Chris Godwin, he gave me odds. Um, so I'm all in on Brown. Look what he was doing the first three, four weeks last year, quietly among league leaders in Whopper. They were treating him very importantly. Everyone says there's a target issue here. Well, they were targeting him and targeting him deep quite a bit when he was, health- well, relatively healthy last year. He was playing on one leg, 150 pounds. Now he's healthy, looking like a beast, fast. Uh, you'd think, yes, the, you know, the touchdown percentage is going to regress for Lamar Jackson. But man, isn't it nice being a deep threat with that play action, with defenses trying to stop that opposing rush? Yeah, we, I mean, when you look at yeah the target share and the team share of air yards that he had, I mean, he really was like put in as it was him and Andrews um, and not much else. And it's, I mean, it's maybe like Miles Boykin or Devin Duvernay gets a little more involved this year but I mean yeah like everyone from the Ravens beat writers to John Harbaugh to like Lamar Jackson has just been like pushing the Hollywood hype button hard all summer too much now um and I mean I'm I'm in on it like I think yeah I think he looked really good last year for someone who wasn't able to practice because he was coming back from major foot surgery like he wasn't even ready for the start of training camp he was regularly missing Wednesday and Thursday practice he says he revealed now that he was down to 157 pounds by the end of the year. So I'm like, the, someone played in the NFL at 157 pounds. It sounds dangerous. But in his last game against Titans, the one I didn't watch, I think he put up like 125 yards. So, All right. Good stuff, Jerry. Let's, talk, let's get into some ADP analysis. You've had a couple recent uh, columns on that. And I have some thoughts. Uh, quarterbacks, let's start out with. Um, we'll go with Ryan Tannehill. Um I get that that he's going to regress some, but man, the question is he could regress a lot and still be really good. He was fantastic. Look at the nerd stats last year off the charts. Um, Yeah, they utilize play action well, but I I don't know, man. I like his, I know the volume will not be there. So I backed off being super aggressive as like a QB one, but uh, man, people aren't paying attention. Maybe they don't realize just quite how good Tannehill was in real life. And he runs for fantasy and AJ Brown's a monster who I have ranked, I think sixth or seventh in my wide receivers. So Thoughts on Tannehill? Yeah, I, I mean, he's going. At, he's been going at QB twenty recently, um, and he actually put up twenty. He averaged over twenty points per game, and he was like, in terms of per game, yeah, you, you have to throw out the games where he like came in as the backup. But in just his starts, he was like QB six or QB seven um, in per game scoring. And yeah, like you said, yeah, there's gonna, you know, he's not gonna put up nine point four yards per attempt or whatever again this year. Um, but I, I see it as a little bit similar to Lamar Jackson, where like there's going to be a regression to the mean in the passing efficiency, right? Like they're not going to keep throwing touchdowns on one out of every 11 or 12 passes. But you also look at like how few pass attempts these guys had last year. Um, you know, Jackson was under 30 per game. Tannehill averaged 27 per start in 2019 in the NFL. Like, and I get that they have Derrick Henry, their defense is okay, and they want around the ball, but like long term. You're, you're not going to get away with only throwing the ball 27 times per game. Like, I'm not saying they're going to be up at league average of 35, 36, but maybe you split the difference there. I think he's going to get a few more attempts. Um, and, yeah, like you said, he's he's not, you know, he's obviously he's not Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton running the ball, but 15, 20 rushing yards per game and a couple touchdowns per season, that adds up to, like, an extra two or three points per week that you're not getting with, you know, someone like Phillip Rivers or Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I have no problem waiting on the QB position and starting Tannehill this season at all. Next uh, is Cam Newton. Um, 
Man, I, I am just simply not as bullish on him as the fantasy industry is. Uh, I think Jared Stidham is, is not a sure thing that he will not uh, see some reps this year. Um, what are your thoughts on Newton? I think you like him, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like him. Um, a little more, like, for me, I'm like, when I'm, you know, like, getting, like, Tannehill and Newton for me, that's like, you know, unless I draft Jackson early, like, I'm totally fine with that. Um, you know, at QB, if you're talking about, like, a you know, 12-team league where you only have to start one quarterback, I'm like, you know what, let's see if, you know, you might be right. Like, I mean, he's only got two weeks to practice with, like, what's supposed to be the most, one of the most complicated playbooks in the NFL. Um, although Stidham only has, like, one year as the backup of experience, too. So he's not, like, he's not necessarily a master. Um, and, you know, with Cam, you worry about all, like, the late career injuries he's had. But, yeah, for me, it's just upside. And so I kind of do just gravitate towards, like, you know, either the guys who I know can run or like the unknown. So I really like like Joe Burrow, Cam Newton, Ryan Tannehill, who all are going, I think based on ADP, I think they're 18, 19 and 20 through like the first week of August here. Uh, so yeah, if, if we're talking about like a league where I need to start two quarterbacks, then I start to get a little nervous about what you said about like Stidham. Um, and you might say the same thing about like a couple other quarterbacks, like, you know, like Ben Roethlisberger, I worry about like his durability and his age. But you know, in a best ball, I'm like I'm drafting three quarterbacks anyway. Um, I can. It's a, it's a position more so than others where you can live with one of the three getting hurt. That makes sense. It's league dependent. Uh, if it's super flex, yeah, you're more concerned of making sure you hit on that quarterback. But Josh Allen, whom I'm down on. Uh, if it's just your home league and you start one and waiver wire is easy, then who cares if he does bust or, or one of these guys are more injury prone. So that that makes sense. Uh, I just worry Newton, all those surgeries, uh, never known as the most accurate uh, guy. And now in that system, we'll see. The The Patriots seemingly love Stidham. I mean, that maybe it's all BS, the stuff behind the scenes. But man, anything you read, they're in on him. But um I guess we'll see. Uh, last last QB is Philip Rivers. You, 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 you made a funny line, something about how wise man... Told you not to draft someone who's never reached 30 fantasy points or 25 rushing yards in a game. That's pretty crazy in his career. Um, I drafted him in round 19 in the Raz Bowl as my third QB. Um, I think he has like 8.0 YPA uh, career indoors. Way better offensive line from last year. People think he's done because he threw so many picks, but he was top 10 in completion percentage above expectations. So I'm okay with Rivers. I think they're going to run the ball a lot, and I'm in on Jonathan Taylor. Um, so I don't think he's going to be like be crazy good fantasy. But um, I, I actually have him ranked uh, higher than, than than most. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, as a QB3, like, sure, I'm fine with him. Like, he's, you know, he doesn't, he's going to be handed the starting job. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't really buy that he's washed up the line. You know, he had good pass catchers last year in Los Angeles, but he had a bad offensive line. Uh, you yeah. know, the usual, like, coaching, special teams, defense issues that seem to just always playing the Chargers, where he was in a lot of bad situations, threw a lot of interceptions while trailing in the second half of games. Um, you know, you can come up with Philip Rivers has all kinds of like weird stats because he doesn't run the ball at all. So that's how you get like right. this guy. He's had like 8 million games with 20 fantasy points, but has never reached 30. Whereas like Patrick Mahomes has already has like 10 games with 30 right. points or whatever. Um, you know, he doesn't run at all. And he was at his peak when they had Ladanian Tomlinson and they were like a run heavy team. So it's sort of been like in the twilight of his career where he's had these like 600, 650 attempt seasons. So yeah, I'm, I'm, he's like someone who I'm more like, if I just need someone who I know will be in the lineup, then I'm like fine with Philip Rivers, but I just don't, I don't see upside. I think their defense in Indy is going to be solid. I know that their running game is going to be good. Um, and I just don't, I don't, I don't think they want him to really throw the ball, you know, more than like 32, 33 times per game. 
Uh, and I think it's a fairly soft division where they'll be able to follow through on that intention of being a more run-oriented team. Yeah, fair. I'm backing off T.Y. Hilton, who I who I liked, but if he's already battling a hammy now, uh, I don't know. Um, running backs, Devin Singletary, a guy way early on I was in on, then the draft happened, and uh, yeah, I mean, Zach Moss is there. You're thinking about it more, Josh Allen, for all his faults as a passer, you know, goal, I think he has the eighth most rushing touchdowns in the NFL over the last two seasons um, among any position. Um, Singletary graded poorly as a receiver. Uh, Moss is, was fine, I guess, in college. I'm not a college guy, but I believe you like Singletary and I know you have a lot of shares of him. Um, so give me your counter. Yeah, I, I'm like, so last year I was like the biggest Devin Singletary doubter. I was like, you know, little guys who run bad 40 times, like don't make it in the NFL. And I, I had zero shares anywhere, never used them for DFS. And this year I'm like, totally, I thought he played really well. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he's anything special, but I thought he played really well. Um, and I think that, you know, I think with, I am concerned about the touchdowns. Like you said, Josh Allen, um, they brought in Zach Moss, who I actually like as a prospect more than I like Singletary last year. But I think, you know, I've got to give more weight to what Singletary did in the AFC East than what, you know, Zach Moss did in the Pac-10. I still think, you know, there's one year in the NFL sort of tells us more than four years in college most, if, if the guy's getting regular playing time. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I think I drafted Singletary in like the third round and won best ball before the draft. And that I regret now. That's like, okay, I got a little, little carried away with the hype. But um, now I see him like regularly falling to the fifth round, like into the 50s. Um, him and DeAndre Swift are two guys I see who I think they could really be like, you know, 200 plus carries, four or five targets per game um, and still are available in that range. Uh, so, yeah, no, I just I think it's, you know, in terms of the volume, I think he'll have the yards, but I do worry about the touchdowns. Uh, so I don't I don't know. We'll we'll see. I think when he's dropping in the fifth round, I'm getting enough value there that I'm happy with it. Definitely give me DeAndre Swift over him indoors and that offense with Stafford was doing before going down last year. For sure, I like Swift over Singletary, who's a good football player for sure. He proved that the workout metrics didn't matter. He's definitely good, but I just do not like his situation. Tariq Cohen, a guy that I've uh, had lower than most, but I know you're in on him. A couple things. Um, last year, he was horrible in yards per route run even um you've looked at sticky the stickiness of some stats and i believe you say the yards per catch does, is meaningless as far as predictive for fantasy value the next year um he's also even come out and admitted that he's out of shape and now he's back in shape so talk me into cohen i've since bumped him up a little bit more um obviously david montgomery is a complete unknown and i actually think nick Foles could be a sneaky solid upgrade there and alan robinson i'm in on in on anthony miller so thoughts in the backfield there in chicago yeah, I think, well, so I thought Tariq Cohen was way overrated last this time last year, largely because he put up, like, at ten, over 10 yards per reception, which for a running back is really high. And then last year he put up, like, six yards per reception, which is very low. And, yeah, like, um, I wasn't actually, I wasn't the one who ran the numbers. I who it was, but, like, yeah, the year-to-year stickiness of yards per catch. Um, for tight ends and receivers, it's decent. But for running backs, there was, like, no overall correlation. And that doesn't mean, like, you're never going to see, like, an outlier who consistently put up solid numbers there. Um, like, you know, not saying every player should be projected for the same. But it is one of those things when you see, like, a big gap, and that kind of seems to be what's driving their ADP. I mean, Tariq Cohen got – he set, he actually got more targets last year, over 100, than he did during his breakout season the year before. Okay. Uh, so I think, I think he's a guy where, like, you know, he's going in, like, the 90s or early 100s, and, like, I'm pretty sure he's going to catch 70 passes again. 
He's not going to score a ton of touchdowns. He's not going to get a ton of carries. So, like, he doesn't, you know, his upside is probably, like, tolerable RB2. But you look where he's being drafted. Um, and I think I sort of mentioned that I like to grab a running back early. But then after that, I'm not, I'm fine with, like, that. You know, if I have my, like, whoever, you know, Joe Mixon or my Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara, then I'm fine with then waiting to fill out that second spot and grabbing some guys like Cohen and playing matchups, seeing how it goes. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's someone I'm a big fan of. I think he's just, like, went from way overvalued last year to way undervalued this year. And he's, like, basically the same idea. Like, he's, you know, going to get a bunch of short targets and, you know, probably be decent in PPR. I'm mostly out on the Bucks this year. Do you have any thoughts with McCoy joining that backfield in the Ronald Jones situation? I, I mean, I think McCoy is going to, you know, I think he's going to be just battling for a roster spot. He didn't look very good in Kansas City last year, obviously. Got got benched by the end. Um, but, I I mean, I've been drafting Jones over Vaughn. I feel like kind of the thing with, like, the rookies not having much of a chance to prove themselves. And I thought Jones looked – I was never, like, a big fan of him as a prospect. But I thought he looked pretty good last year. Um, nothing special again. But I thought he looked pretty good. He has, like, a lot of hype now, I guess, because he, like, put, he put on a bunch of – like muscle and his calves are huge or something. So like, I don't know. I try not to try to get too caught up in that stuff. Like I'm sure there's a lot of guys who had like nothing to do during the pandemic and just got like really swollen. They'll probably step on the practice field and like tear some muscle. Like, the first practice, like, like, Oh, I shouldn't have put on 20 pounds of pure muscle compared. Yeah. But so trying to get too caught up in that, but yeah, I've been, he's like another guy I've been drafting. That's sort of like, if I do end up with a team where I'm light on running back, I get to that point, like the seventh, eighth round. I'm like, I guess I should draft like Ronald Jones or Tariq Cohen. Like, I don't really need a sixth wide receiver here. Uh, and then those would be like the two guys who I look toward. Uh, no, but yeah, I'm definitely not like drafting them over like uh, Michael Gallup or Marquise Brown um, or even like Tyler Boyd. Like, I think it's once there's that drop off at receiver, then I start to be like, okay, now, now I'll just start throwing something at these running backs. Speaking of massive-looking calves, I'm all about Darius Geis right now. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I'm going to be drafting him plenty until he get. Well, he'll probably get hurt before I even have a chance to. But um, he's uh, has he been? You did the Washington Football Team preview too, as well. Where, where do we stand on Geis before he moved to the receivers quickly? Yeah, so I mean, if you're in that range I talked about, right after the wide receiver dropout, when you're looking at like Rojo and James White and Cohen, Geis is the guy. If you're looking for like the pure upside play. Like, maybe you've already got your starters or whatever, and you're just looking to, like, that's the guy I would go with. Like, he's the one who I think. Now, I think what's more likely to happen is that, like, he ends up in some, like, you know, crazy split backfield on a team that can't score, or he gets hurt. But there is that upside there when you look at his talent. Um, and it is it is sort of one of those backfields where there's a lot of names, but I am like, is it really crowded or are there? It's like every team has. Totally. Everyone every has five players. Yes. Every right. player has a depth chart. Yes. Right, every team has players. It's like, you know, I mean, I mean, there are some things like, you know, Adrian Peterson and J.D. McKissick, they have decent-sized contracts, but not like if they, you know, nothing that's going to make them feel compelled to, like, give them a bunch of snaps. So, yeah, I think I like Geis as an upside play there. Um, I think more of the team structures I've been having, I do tend to favor, like, the safe James White, Tariq Cohen type thing in that range, but I think Geis is the upside guy there. Yeah, I'm I'm in on Geis. I think that defensive line made big strides, big upgrades. Who knows if uh, 
if Haskins can make a leap too. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of kind of in on guys. Um, all right, wide receivers. The Giants situation. Can you make any anything out of this? Darius Slayton. I was drafting too high early on. Clearly, um, I believe in your Twitter bio you say a recovering Sterling Shepard super fan. So. Uh, even Golden Tate's there. I've been shying away from Evan Ingram just because of the injury proneness and all those mouths to feed in New York. So, do you have any thoughts there? Sterling, my Sterling Shepard recovery is not going well. Like, I can't, I just can't quit him. Um, I mean, he's burned me in, you know, best ball, DFS, season long dynasty. Uh, but there's, he just always shows just enough. Where I'm like, I know, like, I know in my heart that guy is a really good football player. Um, but for one reason or ever, it just hasn't quite worked out for him. Uh, so I've I've been drafting him. I've been drafting Slayton. I think even like Ingram and Tate a little bit. I think like all those guys are pretty cheap at this point because everyone is has no clue like how the target distribution is. Um, you know, like Slayton. Normally, you would look at a guy who comes in at a rookie as a rookie and puts up 700 yards and eight touchdowns at like nine yards per target and be like he's the next big thing. But I think you know you look a little bit closer to his production. He did. He played a lot of snaps and routes, and he wasn't targeted on a high percentage of his routes, which is a thing that does tend to hold up. Granted, he's a rookie, so like there's always room for growth. But you know, he was a guy where it's like he made a handful of great plays. He wasn't like I didn't see him right. And I watched the Giants a good bit because you know fantasy reasons mostly. He's not a guy who I saw like consistently beating cornerbacks. Um, he made some great plays, some contested catches, and getting deep down the field. So you kind of worry like his role might just look the same this year. Like he might be valuable to the Giants, but like, you know, five, six targets per game. Um, so I think as the deep threat, you know, that'll be him. But Shepard probably has more target upside if he can stay healthy. So I guess in practical terms, I've just been drafting both of them because I think they're cheap enough that, you know, when I'm talking about a backup receiver, I like the upside scenario for both of them. Yeah. Makes sense. I just take whatever Giants receivers, uh, you know, the lowest ADP right now. Some concern if, you know, Barkley uh, stays healthy monster season. I like Daniel Jones fantasy upside, but it's not because of his accuracy. So I don't know, a lot, lot of possible targets there, but then it all takes one or two injuries um, and the defense shouldn't be any good either. So um, Brandon Ayuk, uh, I know he's moving up draft boards ADP because of uh, Debo Samuel's injury, but not quite as much as I expected. Uh, wingspan of Calvin Johnson. Obviously, drafters are exercising caution because of this rookie situation. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we mentioned the Niners situation there. But what are your thoughts on Ayuk, the player? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that his like his ADP. I mean, it did, there was like an immediate. You know, he went up from like maybe the 180s to the 160s after the Debo injury news. But that's not a huge shift. Like the difference between those is not the implied production difference is very small. I think people didn't really, you know, I'm not a huge, I'm definitely an NFL focused guy, not a college guy, but I think like most of like the, the prospect people weren't huge on Ayuk. Like I think he was viewed as a little bit of a reach in such a strong receiver class. So I think some of that is sort of following him around that, you know, that he's like a, a yak guy, that he's not going to be a guy who, you know, beats defenses down the field. Um, although Debo Samuel was a yak guy last year and that worked out pretty well for him. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan is good at scheming guys into space with those shorter routes. Um, personally, I just there's I just think like I don't know. I think the I think it's going to be a mess there if Debo's out. Like in terms of it's going to be Kittle getting a ton of targets, and I feel like everything else is can just going to be spread around any which way. Like you might see guys like Richie James and Trent Taylor getting involved, like Kendrick Bourne. I just I don't think Ayuk is going to like come in and temporarily take over the Debo role. Um, and again, not to go back to this again in too much detail, but like the, having two weeks of practice and no preseason games for a rookie, uh, it's tough, especially when all the other guys 
on the roster were there last year. Yeah, I love Kyle Shanahan uh, like my father, but um, he drafted uh, drafted Debo over AJ Brown and Ayuk over Ceedee Lamb, and I kind of fear that those might be some massive mistakes. But um, anyway, last one. I'm gonna actually we'll skip the tight ends. I'm gonna do a whole tight end episode next week. So we're gonna end on a, a super exciting note, and that's uh, Mr. Steven Sims. It's actually all joking aside, a guy I was really liking to grab late. Uh, in drafts, but now he may not play the the slot. Um, I really do think Haskins, who was good in college and he showed signs at the end, they really could make a leap. People are writing him off too soon. So, what are your thoughts on on Steven Sims? Yeah, the I mean, I, I he played well at the end of last year. It was very volume based. It was like he still, I think he, you know, he had like 240 yards and four touchdowns in December. I think he still finished the year at like six yards per target, uh, one of the lowest among qualified receivers. But, you know, he was an undrafted rookie playing with terrible quarterback play. So there's a lot, lot there working against him. But yeah, like, look, where the, where's the ball going in Washington after Terry McLaurin? Their tight ends are Logan Thomas, Jeremy Sprinkle, um, and then like a bunch of like undrafted guys. Kelvin Harmon, who was okay last year as a rookie, is out for the earth in ACL. Gandy Golden, a fourth round pick. Uh, Cody Latimer has some kind of like legal situation going on. There's just like there's not enough bodies to catch the ball, and like Steven Sims is kind of the obvious second guy right now. Um, so whether he's playing the slot or they start to move him outside a little, um, I just I worry a little bit. I, I guess that uh, you know the efficiency with Haskins, but other than that, like I think he's going to get some looks. Funny, I said Shanahan um, compared to my father. That dude's like my age, but uh, he might be younger than me. But anyway, like a brother than uh, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry's on Twitter at Jerry Donabedian. Uh, do you have anything else to plug for us? Um, well, I mean, football season's getting getting uh, coming up on us, so I'm going to be busy. I've been looking at focusing on ADP recently over on RotoWire, uh, and I'll have something coming out in the next couple days. Just looking at you know all of the stuff, the implication from the opt outs, um, even stuff as small as like Marquise Goodwin does have an impact. Uh, on more relevant players. Uh, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jerry Donabedian. Absolutely. Thanks again, Jerry. Podcasts. We have a lot of podcasts at Yahoo Sports for some baseball action, fantasy baseball action. Check out Scott Pianowski on the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, where I myself drop in from time to time. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL Podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Dalton Del Don. Tomorrow, it's Liz Loza running the show. Thank you all for listening, and we are out. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.